Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 219 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening in our normal time slot, and joining me, first time in a while, Scott Coleman is here. Hello, sir. How's it going, Brad? Hope you're doing all right. Happy Father's Day. You nor I are our dads, but uh, happy Father's Day to everybody out there. Hope uh, hope everybody's doing okay. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the resident father on this podcast, Eric, is uh, I believe on like a date night right now with the uh, with the missus. So he earned the he earned the night off, and the non fathers will handle the ugly parts of this podcast. <laughs> but uh, before we get into the uh, the never ending news cycle of baseball negotiations, which is going to be the the bane of our existence for I don't know, we'll find out how long. Um, there was a little bit of Braves news this week. And we'll touch on it very briefly. Uh, obviously, neither Scott nor I are MLB draft experts. That's left for Eric and Matt Powers, etc. And by the way, there have been two episodes of Road to Atlanta since our last podcast. Uh, please go check up, check out, um, check up on those. I should say, catch up, subscribe to this podcast it's on the same feed as this, and they did a great job. I'm um, sort of breaking down the uh, the draft in the last two podcasts. So check those out. Um, since then. Um, the Braves signed their whole class, and by their whole class, I mean four guys, which is kind of funny to say out loud. Um, they basically did two uh, underslot deals with uh, Jared Schuster, the first-round pick. My large adult son, Jesse Franklin, in the third-round pick, um, who, by the way, I now have a new prospect that is my my own prospect, mm. uh, and Jesse Franklin. And then they uh, paid full slot for fourth-round pick Spencer Strider, and then they went way over slot 
in the fifth round for Bryce Elder. And that kind of, um, at least for me as a, a novice draft observer, the uh, the deal they gave to Bryce Elder kind of explains why they were going under slot in the first two picks because they mm-hmm. paid like 500000 extra dollars on top of um, what the slot value was in the fifth round for Bryce Elder. And uh, without knowing much about Bryce Elder in the world, it does explain why he fell a little bit. He was someone who was falling based on signability concerns. So the Braves knew they had to pay up big to take him. They take him and get like a you know a second, third round value from what I read and what I hear uh, in the fifth round by just going over slot. And that uh, makes some sense. You're absolutely right. I, I think people leading up to in this front office, I think anybody who tries to guess what this front office is thinking is, is you know, it's it's so different from like the John Coppolella front offices where we knew they were going to go extremely heavy on high school. They were going to move some dollars around similar to this year, but really try to capitalize on their bonus pools. And as you said, without that second round pick, they had some limitations. The one thing I, I thought was interesting, other than Elder getting a big deal, <clears throat> uh, Spencer Strider uh, from Clemson had Tommy John surgery, um, but they gave him a full slot. And I think at the time, most experts and analysts and rankings, if you will, had the Braves uh, reaching for him. If you will, I never liked that term because, hey, if he's a good player, it you know it works out. Espe- who cares? Espe- especially, in ba- especially in baseball. When it, oh, it's so sure. weird. Yeah. yeah. When you have normally 40 rounds, the difference between a round or two is really – uh, you know, nitpicking, but um, clearly the Braves really like Strider. They they wouldn't have given him the full slot deal uh, in the fourth if if they weren't high on him compared to compared to others. So I thought that was uh, worth noting as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, if you want better coverage of the MLB draft, check out Road to Atlanta and also read everything that's going up on the site at TalkingShop.com. There's been fantastic draft coverage the entire time, none of which was done by me, and so I can say that with a straight face. <laughs> And uh, very, very good stuff there. But I wanted to at least open that up with the uh, the only bit of real Braves news. Um, and that is uh, those guys are now under contract. And uh, my large adult son, Jesse Franklin, is uh, basically the way that I've described this is, uh, you know how Eric feels about Mike Soroka and has always <laughs> felt about Mike Soroka the entire time, even dating back to the draft? Yeah. That is now me, me and Jesse Franklin. I was going to say, is, has a Michigan boy ever, uh, or a Michigan man rather, has a Michigan man ever made the Braves? I don't I don't know, but you may know uh, better than I, I should know that, and I don't, um, but not since I've been paying attention enough to know. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm, I am in no way saying he's going to be Mike Soroka, because Mike Soroka, Mike Soroka is incredibly good. Um, but if Jesse Franklin makes the majors, uh, you will not be able to find me, uh, and mm. all, my, my, all my objectivity will be out the window. So There you go. That'll be good. People There's will be... We always get yelled at. I know, especially you and I get yelled at for being uh, pessimistic at times. And uh, I'm going to act like uh, a typical run-of-the-mill, very uh, fan fanboy Braves fan if Jesse Franklin's good. So there he you go. can be your uh, he can be your Dustin Peterson because I was convinced that Dustin you had Peterson that was your guy. Was yeah, I, for, I actually forgot that till right now. But yeah, that was he certainly the guy you were all in on. <laughs> never gave him a chance. I mean, obviously he's been released for like three teams since, and he's probably not ever going to make it. But he never got his chance. I'm telling you, they missed out. Oh, I forgot about that. That was a, a, simple, a simpler time uh, and a nice transition, actually, to uh, the death that is baseball right now. Okay, so as we talk, because normally on the podcast, I don't want to say normally, a lot of times on this podcast, we have jinxed ourselves into uh, news happening right after our podcast is over. If that happens tonight in a positive way, I will not be upset. But it is 8-11 Eastern as we are talking at this moment. And uh, right now, there's still nothing real happening on the baseball negotiations front. So I'm going to just catch up the news real quickly, and then we'll get into some reactions. 
um, earlier in the day on Sunday, um, there was you know basically some some talk from uh, Jesse Rogers of ESPN that the player association was intending to vote on uh, on Sunday on the latest proposal from the owners, um, despite some buzz that they might delay that vote because of COVID-19 outbreaks. And by the way, COVID-19 stuff is not going super well either, which we'll touch on along the way here. Um, but at last official glance, the owners have said that they're not going to counter the 70-game proposal that the players made. Um, and uh, that left the players with two options, basically, which is accepting the 60-game offer that's on the table, which was on the table from the owners, that includes expanded playoffs, but also includes the players waiving their ability to file the grievance, which is definitely controversial, or they could reject that. And essentially they would prompt Rob Manfred and company to implement the schedule. And then uh, baseball, I mean, I, I should say the players would still have the opportunity to file agreements, which they probably would do. So we'll stop there for a moment. This vote, I don't think happened, but this is as of a few hours ago, it was supposed to happen. Maybe, um, Without going too deep into the response that came after that, what were you feeling in the last day or two? Because we were sort of already in this limbo, and prior to that, obviously, there was this wave of optimism a few days ago where uh, your friend and mine, John Heyman, got people excited about baseball, and then it was uh, the rug was pulled out from underneath us. Yeah, I, I'm just so over all of this, and I, you know, I tweeted earlier about you know my care factor is a zero, and what I meant by that was I'm so tired of the owners and the players and the league really just kind of trying to win the court of public opinion, right? Like everything is getting leaked out to the media. You have, I'll call them overzealous reporters who are reporting every little thing and it's, it's really getting nothing accomplished. So um, I, I think it was Wednesday when, when Heyman first reported that um, Manfred and Clark met in Arizona and there was some optimism and, as you mentioned, the report came out, but it was quickly kind of a little water was put on the flame, if you will, to, to cool it down. So um, it's really disheartening if they're really going back and forth over 10 games. And I know there's some other things they're, they're trying to work through, too, on top of, as you mentioned, COVID kind of peaking in, in some areas where you don't want it to. Uh, it, it's really disheartening. And I think everybody was hoping that baseball would be able to shine and kind of be a beacon of hope and, and of the future with everything going on as we as we kind of shift back to life being normal and obviously that is not not happening in the least yeah so it was kind of funny i know i mentioned it sort of in passing um the Heyman tweet that got everyone thinking baseball was going to happen overnight or within hours or whatever um it was immediately pushed back on by the people that we've repeatedly said that we trust the most you know jeff passan ken rosenthal um it was kind of funny to see that um but you know, aside from that, there was a couple out. Even with that, I will say, in that couple of hours, everyone was being positive about mm-hmm. where things were. Even the guys who were pushing back a little bit on Heyman's assured behavior, um, everyone was positive, talking about how it was getting close to a deal, and then suddenly things kind of evaporated again. Um, kind of leave us where we are now. So, you know. I guess the two sides had this in-person meeting. Things apparently went well, but then didn't go as well as they thought, or at least that Manfred was talking about. And then since then, uh, this is on back on Sunday today, as we're, as we're talking, uh, Ken Rosenthal reported that Rob Manfred sent a letter to Tony Clark, who's the head of the Player Association, saying, and I quote, I really believe we are fighting over an impossibility on games, end quote. And basically saying that because of the relocated teams, 
and the fact that you have to get into camps and their spring, uh, the spring training f- um, facilities are closed down right now, all that, all that stuff. The earliest date that um, Rosenthal cited to have players report is June 29th, which is only a week from now. But that will only leave 66 days on the schedule, at least according to his math or somebody's math, to play 60 games um, to get to get done before the end of October, essentially. Um, and then Jeff Passan first reported that Rob Manfred offered as part of this letter to Tony Clark to eliminate the 2021 components of their previous discussions, which is uh, the expanded playoffs and the universal DH. If the 2020 season was shorter, ended up being shorter than they, than they previously I talked about. Um, so all that to say, like there's stuff that's being, ha- this happening here. I'm going to say something that is not firmly reported and firmly not like fact. This is now my opinion. It seems so clear to me. And has for a while, but especially in the last few days, that the owners have been stalling on purpose this entire time in order to get to the point where they can now blame the calendar for having less games. That feels so crystal clear to me. And again, there's some interpretation there. No one has come out and flat out said that, at least like in reporting terms. But man, it just feels like this was all an elaborate stalling tactic from the owners. Yeah. And uh, that's my, uh, my opening salvo to say that uh, hmm. I'm not a big fan of the ownership side right now. No, I, I totally agree, and it, it does not help matters in the least that Manfred is clearly on the owner side in this, and I and I kind of get it, but at the same time, he has an obligation to look out for what's the best for the sport as a whole, and he clearly is not doing that. So um, I'm 100% with you. It's obvious. There was a report, I want to say a couple days ago, um, that anywhere from six to eight owners are in favor altogether of no season. Um I would assume those would be the smaller market clubs um, just because they, they have lower revenues to begin with. Maybe it's the higher revenue clubs because they have a higher, uh, they have higher payrolls. And it means more money out of pocket for them. Whoever it is, you're right. Everything is pointed to the owners and the league really for that matter are pushing this back as far as they can. Uh, health concerns aside, we're, we're already looking at the end of June as kind of a best case scenario, the players need at least a couple of weeks to ramp up. Um, I mean, I think at this point, best case for actual games would be what last week of July. And even then that would assume that right now we had an agreement. And really to me, it sounds like the two sides are no closer to a deal than they are now than they were two or three months ago. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that they're closer in some respects, like the owner's, I'm not going to give them any credit for this, but they finally made an offer that actually included full pro, pro full prorated salaries, which was already agreed to uh, back in March. That was the, that was the number one point right. of annoyance for I know me and I think the players as well was that they agreed to this in March and then then they went off of it with no explanation, and now they're back to offering full prorated pay, which is I guess a small thing that does matter, but now they're in this thing about amount of games and the coronavirus stuff is very real. I, I understand why they want to make this season shorter, I guess, or at least have an end earlier based on the available data. I'm not an expert on coronavirus and won't claim to be, but at least someone that knows something about coronavirus is telling them to end things as early as quick, as early as possible. So I, I get that, but still, you know, they've, they've stalled this long and the stalling has been on, on the ownership side. I'm sure people that listen to this podcast will, will not agree with us. I, there are still people out there that take the owner's side in this. I, I don't understand that frankly, but um, 
I don't want to litigate that too much. That's just how I feel. I think they've been sort of disingenuous the entire time. And um, do you want to say that the blame is 100% owners, 0% players? Probably not. But uh, no. it's certainly, uh, in my opinion anyway, leans heavily towards ownership for um, between the stalling and just kind of the obstruction that I think that they have done. And then you get into Manfred, mm-hmm. and we could talk about Manfred for days, but I agree with what <laughs> you just said about Manfred, that like his job, yes, he works for the owners, technically. I understand that. But his job is to help the sport and not have the sport go yeah. to ruins. And uh, the second part of his job, whether the owners approve of the way he's handling this or not, and that does matter to him. That's the big thing that, that fans don't understand. And that sometimes even I like ignore and forget about is that he does work for the owners and maybe they're happy with him. But the other part of his job is to help the good of the sport. And that, that part of his job, he has not done well with flat out. No, and you talk about the the black eye that this has created for the league. And I, and I mean, I get it, right? Nobody asked for this. This is unlike anything in history. But at the same time, you know, for a sport that had some very real issues, this was the absolute last thing they want. This on-again, off-again, negotiating through the media. It looks bad all the way around. Um, and as you said, you and I are, are certainly <clears throat> calling on the owners to take more blame for this than the players. I think a lot of people feel that way, but... I talked to uh, just a friend the other day who is a, is a my age young guy baseball fan, and he's calling on the players, and he's saying the players are being greedy. So it's not as if no, I, that, I <laughs> that is an opinion, and it is definitely out there. And yep. it's the same. It's the reason. And I think we've talked about this before. Like you know, I guess like a month ago now, it is the reason why ownership acts the way they do in public and they like to litigate this stuff in the public and they like to leak things and they like to have it be a PR thing is because there are so many people like your friend or like a lot of people listen to this podcast, I'm sure that have the opinion and your players always lose the PR battle here because there is always a segment of the population that just says they're making millions of dollars to play baseball. Mm-hmm. That's, that's as far as it gets. They yep. want, they, they, a, they want to watch baseball, which I totally understand. We want to watch baseball too. So, we want, we want to watch, which means they're going to root for the team. Even if the team's not the owner, they're going to root for the team because they want the team to have the team to be sure. playing. And then you throw in, yes, these guys are very well paid to play baseball. And that's as far as some of the thought process gets. And I, I'm not upset about that. I, I get if you're not like immersed in this, how one could think that way. But that is honestly, that's the, I don't want to say the biggest part of the problem. That's part of the problem here is that ownership and baseball no, that's how their PR works, and it's always mm-hmm. worked that way. <laughs> well, in, in this kind of uh, conjoined media campaign, a bunch of players maybe a week, ten days ago, did the they tweeted or Instagrammed or whatever that you know tell us when and where we're ready. Well, that's yeah. already kind of backfiring on them because if that was the case, if if you are a fan of the mindset of that the players are at fault here and they're being you know greedy or whatever. Well, look, you told us when and where. The owners are telling you when and where, but you guys won't say yes to it. So, again, I, I don't share that mindset, but I think it's a fascinating just debacle, really. I mean, all I think all the way around. And, again, for a sport that's had some real issues connecting with fans, especially young fans, um, this is the and, – and it's not just baseball. All sports are, are going through this right now, but it really is a black guy for the sport, uh, which is unfortunate. Yeah, it is. And uh, the one and where thing, I agree, did not play well. Um, I, I will say on, on the players, I know I'm going to sound like I'm taking the players side and everything. Um, I think at that point, and you could argue whether this, whether this was smart or not, but I think Tony Clark was basically giving up on the negotiation and knowing that um, baseball has the authority to just mandate a season and that Manfred had already said 
the hundred percent thing because of that, because they had the ability to mandate a season. And I think the players were just kind of throwing their hands up and being like, all right, tell us where to be. And then baseball didn't do that though. Baseball didn't actually enact this the way that they could have. Manfred didn't come out and just say, all right, this is what's happening. He wanted to keep negotiating. And part of that is that baseball is afraid that of a grievance and they should be afraid of it because if they have a grievance here, the players are going to win. <laughs> Because yeah. the players have an agreement on that's that's the whole thing about this that ownership it that's their one thing that they're in trouble here is that if they get agreements from the players, it might take months and months, but they're going to lose. Ownership's going to lose because it's on paper they've agreed to full prorated salaries, if nothing else. And if and, and because of that, the players can just say, "Look, they're not negotiating in good faith because they're not going to give us they're not going to honor the agreement," and they're going to win. And I think everyone agrees on that. The problem is. That's going to take months and months and months. And there's a CBA negotiation coming up in a year and a half. So the players don't want that to be the case because they know, you know, it's going to be the end of the world if they have to file a grievance and go to court on this because then it's going to be baseball shut down for however long. There's no win in there. No. It's tough. Yeah. And I think, and what sucks is, is that as these negotiations are going, it's really, it comes down to the fans are the ones ultimately losing out here, right? Like these, these billionaire owners, are going to continue to be very rich and successful at whatever they do. And these players, again, they want to play and and not all players are created equally, but eventually, you know, they're going to be okay. At some point baseball will resume, but really it's, it's the fans who take the brunt of this um, uh, debacle, if you will, between the two sides. And um, yeah, I, I I just, I don't know. Let me ask you this. What, what percentage, this is not in your, your, uh, your Google notes, which I love. All right, so what's today? June 21st, effectively, June 22nd. Yeah. What percent chance do you have of a real baseball game happening this year? Um, I mean, is, bef- it, is it 50-50? I was going to say, before, before I answer, we have to just give the disclaimer that we we obviously don't know any more than you guys do on this. Um, <laughs> there are some things that we – there's some there's occasionally a thing, a thing or two – about the Braves on this podcast that I do know and can't say out loud. Um, that is not the case here. Uh, I don't know. I still think it's probably more than 50, 50. I think I would still put it 60, 40, something like that. Um, I don't know if that's me somewhere finding my youthful optimism as a baseball person or what. Um, I think it's because it got, I think it got pretty close this weekend and it pushed further apart to be sure. But if, if I go down the rabbit hole with my theory that ownership has been obstructing this whole time with the plan to have the shorter season, mm-hmm. I think they'll start. Now, there's this whole other dynamic in play with COVID-19. The little, yeah, that little health thing going on. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too much, but obviously the baseball decided to close all of their spring training facilities to do a deep clean. Um, there are... I think the New York team said they were not going to go to Florida at all. Now, if they have, if they have spring training, they're going to have it in New York. There's yeah. all kinds of stuff there um, that we're not experts on, but um, I think the because you because you said have a game, have a game in 2020. I will be optimistic and say like like 60 40. The number for me anyway goes a little bit lower if you talk about finishing the season because sure, any number sure. of things can go wrong <laughs> once that ha- uh, for, for them to finish the season, they have to a start the season and then they have to play a bunch of games. And get to the playoffs and have no massive COVID issue enough that was that would shut that would shut them down. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if you throw the, all the factors in, that hurts the percentage. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm probably where are you at? 
Uh, I think I'm probably 50-50. I mean, I that think sounds right. it seems like every day, at least to me, it goes down a little bit. Um, you know, a month ago, I would have said it was like, you know, 75-25 that they play. And even a couple, you know, a couple days ago, I was said, yeah, it sounds like we have a pretty good shot here. But the fact that really for three weeks now, all we've heard about, you know, they're hitting the 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 peak of, of uh, negotiations and this is an important, crucial stretch for baseball and yada, yada, yada. I, I think it really just plays to your theory that the owners had no intention of, of starting this thing up in, in June. Um, and, and because the players obviously need time to ramp up. Um, best case scenario, maybe late July. But for me, I'm, I'm pretty 50-50 at this point. Um, but get back to me in a couple days, and, and I guess we'll see again. Yeah, okay, so that's out of the way. That's how, that's our uh, that's our brains working here. Let's talk about our hearts for a second before we get out of here. This can be a shorter <laughs> podcast than usual because um, yeah. this, this is the only topic, and we've done a lot of this before. Um, but we wanted to make sure we came back with a, with a show. I, know I, haven't been on, I haven't been on in a couple weeks, et cetera. But a couple people have asked – us, whether it be me, you, Chris, Eric, uh, Demetrius, anybody, I've seen some stuff on Twitter asking us basically why they should care or if they should care anymore about baseball this season. You, you had a tweet earlier. You're frustrated too. Um, how are you feeling about take all of the facts and figures out of this? Do have you lost any interest here? I know we are like the one percent of in terms of diehards who pay so close attention and consume this stuff all year round. Have you lost any of your enthusiasm? Like, how are you feeling about baseball just, like, as a fan slash observer of uh, of the sport and the team that we follow? You know, it's definitely drained me a little bit, I think. And I think almost all fans are probably feeling somewhat of the fatigue. But, again, it's important to remind, I guess, myself or, or yourself that, um, obviously, this is all stuff happening off the field. I can tell you right now that if it was announced that the Braves were going to open up against the Mets on Wednesday, you can bet your butt. I mean, I'd be giddy. I'd wake up and I'd be giddy that morning. So I think if slash when we get the on-field product back in our lives, um, I, I'm, I'd be lying to you if I said I wouldn't care or I'd be uh, you know neutral about it or whatever. Of course. I mean, I, the Braves, I, I would tune in for them regardless of the situation. Um, I think as a whole – uh, I'm pretty disgusted with how everything's gone. I'm getting tired of getting dicked around by owners and in the media. Um, but once, you know, once the first pitch is thrown, I think that kind of goes, at least for me back, you know, back in my mind is something that happened, but you move on. It's a business. There's, this is more complicated than yes or no. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I mean, I know, I'm a little bit more dead inside in general on this stuff, just from covering sports and just in life. Yeah. Dead that, inside. that too. Um, you know, but just even, even before this, I'm a little bit more dead inside than most fans are just from covering sports in a different way than a lot of fans approach it. But even then, like this is, this is not fun. I, I want badly to be able to talk about baseball. And if it was just, I don't want to say just if the only factor in play here was COVID-19, like, you know, I'm covering basketball too. And granted the team that I mostly cover is not going to be in the restart when it happens anyway, if it happens. But if the only discussion point here was COVID-19, it would be a lot easier and more understandable to go through all of this back and forth. The will they, won't they, if it was related to COVID-19, I think everybody understands that's a thing that matters. And like health is really important here. And I think if they decide 
if someone smarter than me or you decides that, you know, playing baseball this year is not tenable because of COVID-19, no one's going to like that, but I, I totally understand it and won't, you know, sure. won't, won't, won't feel aggrieved by that. If they, if they don't come to agreement here and it's not because of COVID-19, if it's because of labor and if it's because of money, it's just going to be so bad. I mean, we've said that on like every podcast for the last month and a half, I feel like, but it's just going to be so bad. And the back and forth is, it's quite ridiculous. Like I was listening to a podcast um, with a, a legitimate labor expert that happens to be a uh, someone who covers baseball as well, follows baseball. Uh, I think it was on Effectively Wild, but it's a, legit, a legitimate labor expert. And he basically, this is what kind of made me laugh, is that he's covered and been in the room for all these labor negotiations. And essentially the only time it's ever been, uh, the only example that he's that he could ever find of it being negotiated through the media is baseball. <laughs> like, yeah. And part of that is just the nature of sports being covered in that way. Like, Jeff Passan and Ken Rosenthal have great sources and there's a market for people like you people like me and you, by the way, um, to consume the every waking report on this stuff. So yep. I'm not blaming anybody in terms of them. It's not their fault. It's not Rosenthal's fault. That, that's his job. But the, the leaking, the clear leaking going on on both sides is annoying because <laughs> it just, it just, you know, it just propels a cycle of never ending nonsense. Um, and that makes it, it makes it even harder because if it was just like, you know, it, eventually it would be frustrating, but say like, you know, a month ago they said, all right, no one's leaking anything anymore. We're just going to, we're going to sit down every day until it's done. After two or three weeks, it would be annoying not hearing anything about it. And sure. if the only response, if the only response was we're still negotiating, that would be kind of annoying too, but it wouldn't be as annoying as this because can you imagine? I, mean, I know some of this is COVID nineteen COVID related. Some of this is. They've sat down once. Rob Manfred mm. and Tony Clark have sat down one time. This whole this whole time. Mm-hmm. That's insane. I mean, yeah. they they should be on a Zoom call every day. Yeah. Every day. This should have started six weeks ago or more. They should have been on a Zoom call every day with the with the with the owner committee that negotiates and the players executive committee. They should be talking every day. And instead, it's proposal, wait three days, decline, wait three days, proposal. <laughs> and it's this ridiculous cycle. And I get it's not as easy as I'm making it sound. But the fact that they've literally sat down one time and it was like a special occasion summit for Manfred and Clark to sit down and it got covered like it was some 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 <laughs> groundbreaking thing. How, how are they not talking every day? I don't, I don't get it. I really don't. No, you're right. I mean, it's it, so many things, like so many things in life. It's it's really just a lack of communication is the key problem. And you're right. I mean, again, it's it's different than any other time in history. You can't just hop on a on a red eye and be there. Like, well, I guess you can still hop on a red eye, but you may not may not do it uh, without thinking twice as you would now. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I didn't realize that either. They had only met once. Um, that is a clear problem. P- clear problem. Um, and it doesn't, it really shouldn't then come as a surprise when you think about in another year and a half when the CBA expires, this is all just foreshadowing what's going to be a very, very messy, uh, work through, if you will, of, of the new CBA, because there are clearly some very real issues between all parties here. Um, the players are unhappy. I would assume the owners are going to push for things that the players aren't going to want and vice versa. Um, it really is just kind of a, uh, a cluster and when you think about the leadership 
<clears throat> or, or lack thereof from Manfred and Clark, um, it, it's not hard to see why this has gone so south. And it, it really is a shame. And when you when you point out that really they've only had one direct contact over the last three or four months as all this is going on, I think speaks volumes to the leadership at the top of, of this league. Yeah, it's fairly unbelievable to me, but alas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right, we've 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 probably talked about the same thing enough on today's podcast. Uh, any final thoughts other than uh, let's hope this gets done and uh, maybe our jinx powers will work this time? <laughs> um, yeah. I will say before we get out of here, and I'll let you finish, um, if baseball is played, we will obviously talk about that. If we get a If we get an agreement... If it's tonight, I'm not sure we're going to record again immediately, but uh, we will have a timely podcast um, if they have an agreement, and then we will kick into baseball mode and talk about spring training and all the things that will be happening. And I, I would much rather talk about that, but uh, in case there was any doubt, we will uh, jump into baseball mode when there is an agreement, if there is one. Yep, I would love to be able to record that podcast with you. I'm not sure I would actually like feel confident at this point recording it until... Like I, I had like a physically kind signed copy of the agreement in my hands, just with, <laughs> based on the last. And they, and they will definitely address one to you when they when they do that. So I'm, I'm sure you'll be able That's to right. get that. There you go. Um, yeah, you, you have some connections. You can just call league office and. I have no connections. <laughs> um, but yes, hopefully, fingers crossed. Another whatever. Uh, I've I've given up trying to guess when this might happen, um, but in another week or two or three. Um, any any real baseball this year would be very, very welcomed. I think everybody's in agreement on that. It's just getting to that point is going to be ugly. It has been ugly, and I, I think at least in the near future it's going to continue to be ugly, but hopefully people are able to work it out and, and we're able to get to an agreement. That would be preferable to where we are right now. Uh, so, yeah, that would be cool. Anyway, well, thank you, Scott, for joining me on the podcast uh, everyone should be subscribing. If they're not subscribing to this feed, you're missing out quite a bit. And again, Road to Atlanta has been killing it on the MLB draft side. Um, if you want to listen to real stuff about that and not just uh, Scott and I talking for five minutes <laughs> earlier on the podcast, yeah, check that out. They'll have more, of course, as we get going on this. And uh, I know minor league season is going to be kind of weird or non-existent, but uh, there's still prospect of stuff to talk about. So check that out as well. And then we'll be here as much as uh, we possibly can be. Stay patient with us. I appreciate everybody that's been riding with us this whole time. Uh, people have still been listening to the podcast, which I greatly uh, thank you for. But alas, thank you, Scott, for being here, my friend. I'll do it again very, very soon. Thanks for having me on, Brad. Hope everybody's doing all right. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, take care. Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.